0: and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to SlashFilm Daily for Thursday, January 24th, 2019. On today's episode, we're going to talk about the latest film and TV news. And then in the spoiler room, we'll be telling you about Serenity, the most insane movie of 2019. Uh, and it's just January. Uh, this is SlashFilm editor-in-chief Peter Soretta. And joining me on today's podcast is SlashFilm writers, Why trend Bui. Hey everyone, and Chris Evangelista. Hello. Uh, we, Chris, you have like one foot out the door. You're about to leave to Park City. That's correct.
2: Oh uh, yeah, I'm uh, in a little while. I'm heading to the airport. Uh, I have to start popping my pills right now, <laughs> so they'll take effect by the time I get there.
1: Damn, we should have recorded while you were on your your, well, your medicine. It would have been <laughs> while I was, inter- while I was stoned. Yeah, yeah. Next time, yeah. Um, and everybody on the in Slash Film Slack is listening to this new Weezer album that dropped last night. Like, was this a surprise release? Because I didn't hear anything about this.
3: It was. They pulled a Beyonce.
1: Yeah, and this is like all um, covers.
3: Yeah, yeah, and really good too.
1: What What's your favorite song so far?
3: Um. I really like No Scrubs. I think that's probably my favorite one because it's unexpected and (laughs) just uh, it's good.
1: Chris, how about you?
2: Yeah, I I have to go with No Scrubs too. I think the fun of the album is they they do every song uh, straight. Like they don't alter it. It just they just sound like. A really good bar cover band playing songs the way you want to hear them and that just makes it extra funny that they I'm didn't i sure, I'm didn't sure like... Weezer
3: would be very flattered by that description yeah
2: good work Weezer the bar cover band
3: <laughs> I love
1: Weezer I have yet to listen to this uh but I'm also a big fan of uh Real Big Fish in their cover of uh Take On Me and I know they're doing a cover of Take On Me here I'm, I'm hesitant to listen to it because I feel like I'm gonna hate it but uh it, it, is it good
2: it is. It just. It just sounds like the original one, but yeah. you know, with Weezer. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, uh, let's get into the news before we get to insa- the insanity that is Serenity, and let's start off first with Disney, who it sounds like could cancel the Simpsons and make more money in the process. Chris, what is going on here?
2: Yeah. So as we all know, the Simpsons has been on for five hundred years. It shows no sign of uh, ever slowing down, and in fact, there's there. Currently ironing, ironing out a deal right now that will keep it going two more years. Right now it's in season thirty, so they're they're hammering at a deal that will keep it going till season thirty-two. Uh, by the time that happens, some changes are going to take hold. For one thing, the Disney slash Fox deal will be finalized, which means Disney will have a you know controlling say in The Simpsons. And another thing will be uh, when that time rolls around, it'll be close to the the syndication rights lapsing um with fx fx which is technically a fox company bought syndication rights for the simpsons you know for their simpsons app channel uh for 750 million dollars that's how much they paid to get the rights to do that and that's eventually going to run out and when that happens disney is going to have to make a choice um and according to this article in, in Variety. Disney actually stands to make more money by just finally canceling the show and uh, selling it out in syndication than keeping it going because by keeping it going they're they're burning money it costs a lot to make these shows because you know the the cast which has remained mostly in place since the beginning have you know worked out very good deals to get paid a lot of money and then you know it's expensive to make the animation and so on so it's not exactly like a money maker. So in theory, if they got rid of this and if they started selling off streaming rights, to, you know, Netflix or Hulu or another network, anything like that, they could stand to make
1: uh, a,
2: a very big profit, much more than the original um, $750 million. Yeah. And,
1: then, uh, and they're also talking about splitting up the, the distribution of the syndications. And right now FX uh, owns all of it. Right. And, they're talking about splitting it up into like three different libraries or three different, I, I guess maybe decades of content. And yeah, that's the other thing. It's like
2: there's so much content. There's like over 500 episodes. There's so much to spread around. So I'm sure they're gonna they're gonna calculate this in the lab and figure out what's the most uh, money making option, and that's the one they're gonna do.
1: See, this is weird to me because it seems to me that keeping the simpsons on the air not that i know anybody in my life that still watches the simpsons but it seems to me that the the syndication rights would be worth more money if the simpsons is still on the air and being marketed in some way like i don't know that's a, and it also seems to me like disney is a company that loves their characters they love owning characters and franchises and you know the simpsons is a big franchise and you know has tons of characters uh, unfortunately, the theme park rights to The Simpsons are owned by Universal Studios, in most of the uh, United States, so that that prevents Disney from you know taking advantage of them in the theme parks. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, HT would it, would it hurt you at all if they canceled The Simpsons?
3: It would not. No. I was never a regular watcher of The Simpsons. I think I've seen like. A handful of episodes and I definitely am not watching any more right now, but it is kind of f- counter, it's, it feels kind of counterintuitive that canceling would, would make them more money. I feel like having the property on the air would, would do that. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think there's a strong pop culture legacy characters that canceling the show wouldn't make a difference.
1: I feel like right now there's probably more money to be made out of them by doing movies. Like I know they did mm-hmm. a movie like, what, like 10 years ago at this point. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't followed up on that. I guess maybe now that Disney owns them, maybe they could uh, do something that's connected with Disney, like The Simpsons go to Disneyland. I don't know. Maybe that's not a good idea. I um, but, uh, you know, let's move on to another Disney thing, and that is that it looks like lin, lin well Miranda is working on a, uh, the first Latina princess movie for The Mouse House. Uh, what do we know, HD?
3: Um, According to a report from page six, uh, Miranda is working on a secret Disney project, according to uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda's father, Luis, who told the tabloid, he is talking to Disney about a sequel to Moana, but the movie would be about a Latina princess. So this isn't quite a reputable source, but... Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda is sort of in the pocket of the House of Mouse. He has uh, co-written the songs for Moana to great success um, and Oscar-nominated um, success or winning success. Yeah, Oscar-nominated success. And um, he's also recently starred in Mary Poppins Returns. But um, so we don't really know uh, exactly whether this movie is confirmed. But it could possibly be in relation to the new animated film film from director Byron Howard, who directed Tangled and Zootopia, and which is a, a we know that Miranda is currently working on a movie with him. So it's possible that all of these will collide, and we will get our first Latina Disney princess, which we surprisingly haven't received yet, despite. Um, us getting uh, even more diverse roles and princesses lately. Although there was a a princess at the center of the Disney TV series, Elena of Avalor, but she wasn't an official Disney princess.
1: She's all over the Disney parks, by the way. Like I always see her (laughs) like doing character greetings and there's always a line down the, you know, down the walkway for her. So it's it's very, she's very popular even though she's only a TV princess, I guess. Um, The, it's interesting because, you know, if Disney is doing their first Latina princess and if it, this is this Byron Howard movie, it would be another white guy doing, you know, uh, I, I mean, I guess Disney was so successful with Moana and that was by two old white dudes. Right. Like, uh, yes. I, I feel like that movie probably feels more authentic than anything I've seen in recent years in, in terms of like, uh, you know, uh that, that world um, uh,
3: oh, for, for Polynesian culture, yeah. you mean? Because yeah. Coco did a really great job as well. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. they had a Hispanic co-director. Yeah. But uh, Disney and Pixar especially have been really good about bringing cultural consultants on. And I know they brought on several cultural consultants for Moana. So um, this would be a good step because Lin-Manuel Miranda is from Puerto Rico. So he has that Latino heritage. Um, so that would have, like, the first step yeah. there. But, yeah, it, it is kind of um, troublesome, I guess. But I wouldn't be upset because uh, I absolutely love Tangled. And if Disney, like, approaches this in a proper way by bringing on cultural consultants and bringing on other crew who are of Latinx descent, then I think this could be a good potential film.
1: Yeah. I, I know that Disney has seen with Coco that uh, there's huge money in that Latina, you know— Latin market. And uh, I think they're hoping to take advantage of it. Uh, Not (laughs) that I think it's all business, but it is show business. Um, And, you know, we were talking about Byron Howard, and uh, he is uh, one of the directors of Zootopia. And they just announced that they are making a land for Zootopia in Shanghai, Disney, Disneyland. And it, When I first saw Zootopia, I was like, you know, sitting there in the theater and they're giving, uh, you know, she arrives on that like monorail train thing. I was like, oh, this is totally going to be a land in one of the Disney parks. I had, I had predicted it was going to be Animal Kingdom in the States, but now we're learning it's going to be in Shanghai. HT, what do we know?
3: Well, Zootopia is a Zootopia, after all. Um, And it's getting its first Zootopia-themed land at Shanghai Disneyland, like you said, at the themed resort in Pudong, Shanghai, as part of the second major expansion for the resort since it opened in 2016. And the reason that it's in uh, Shanghai Disneyland uh, is probably because Zootopia was a mega-hit in China. Um, It went on to... uh, earn about $236 million at the country's box office, which was an all-comers record for an animation film in Chinese theaters, and has developed quite a popular following uh, in China as well. So it's not a surprise that it's coming to Shanghai Disneyland first, although, yeah, it would seem like the first option would be Animal Kingdom. But this also is not the first time that Disney has um, tested out attractions or opened attractions in international um, Disney parks before Moving it over to uh, Disney World or Disneyland.
1: Oh, for sure. And I I think a lot of people are surprised because Zootopia isn't uh, a franchise that they thought was big enough to. I mean, this isn't just a ride, it's its its own land. And uh, to to me, that signals that we're probably going to get a Zootopia sequel at some point, either a sequel or TV series or something. Like, I don't think Disney would be investing a, a whole land if it was just that movie and, you know, we're moving on. But, uh, okay, let's move on to Netflix. Uh, they recently announced that they're increasing pricing. Uh, Chris, what kind of effect do they expect this to have on, uh, subscribers?
2: Uh, so a survey was done and you know, it's, it's worth putting out that this is just a survey of about, uh, 607 random subscribers. So it's obviously not every Netflix user, but based on this survey, they've, learned that at least uh, 27% of the people surveyed said they're considering cancelling because of this price increase. And others said they would be happy to just pay less for Netflix with ads on it. So it, it seems like some people are just not very happy about this. How much is this price increase? Uh let's see. It goes so uh, it bumped up considerably so the, their plan now is $9 was originally around 7. So it, it, it's not it's not a small increase. And at the same time Hulu has decreased their prices.
1: I don't know. Like a, a two extra dollars and and a quarter of the subscribers supposedly are thinking about quitting the service. I don't know like I mean, I don't consider myself a rich person. <laughs> But paying $2 more a month for what Netflix offers seems like a bargain to me. HT, uh, is, is this price increase going to scare you away from Netflix?
3: Well, I currently don't play, pay for my Netflix plan, so uh... it probably won't. Um, but I will probably stay with it. Netflix just dictates so much of what I and everyone watches that it would take a lot more for it to um, get me to cancel.
1: I feel like these are people in a survey saying this and not what they would actually do in reality. Like Chris, let well, I me, mean, you, you write about Netflix for a living basically. Yes. But aside from that, would, would this price increase be enough to detour you away from uh, being a subscriber?
2: Uh, no, I'm going to stick with it for now. I, I, I can't see it getting to the point where I, I can't afford it, but, Knock on wood, but for now uh, I'm I'm all right with. It. I mean, I would prefer if it were lower, but I'm I'm okay as is for now.
1: I don't know. I I feel like Netflix is one of the biggest bargains that you can get uh, in terms of like how much content, original content they they provide, and and how much it costs. But uh, you know. I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm in the minority. Maybe, maybe, maybe it will be like 27% of subscribers canceling. That would be pretty shocking. And I know Disney is planning to offer their streaming service for considerably less than what Netflix's new price is. So we'll have to see what happens once the streaming wars actually begin. Um, But uh, let's go back to our, our old friend movie pass. Um they uh they don't seem to know what they're doing. They're like, "Hey guys, <laughs> we're still here. Come back. We 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 want to be friends." Uh itchy, what is going on here?
3: Welcome back to Movie Pass Daily. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, we haven't checked in with our friend MoviePass in a while, but they're still here. You're right. And um, kind of like a bad boyfriend, they want you to come back to them. <laughs> <laughs> and they want to tell you that they haven't changed.
1: Because... You know you know what? That's very a, a very astute analogy because for a while they were ghosting us. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, I don't know. It, it really does feel like they're like, now we're getting the texts. Every, every day I get, like, emails from them. They're like, hey, hey. I'm still, you know, it, it feels like that that boyfriend that's, or, you know, that that relationship where the person's trying to, to, you know, re-spark the relationship, and you're like, I'm not interested, dude. I'm I'm just not interested. <laughs>
3: Yeah, and in this case, MoviePass is trying to re-spark that relationship by going back to when it was good. Um, they're reportedly bringing back their unlimited plan as part of their new re- relaunch to attempt to bring back new and old subscribers. So according to a report from Variety, MoviePass is planning to bring back a new version of its unlimited plan that first got it into trouble in the first place, but also you know, skyrocketed to fame. Um, And that would enable users to see as many movies as they want each month. However, the pricing for this new unlimited plan has not yet been revealed, but it would be uh, an addition to the current Three tier ticketing structure that MoviePass is um, going to implement, which ranges from nine ninety five a month to nineteen ninety five a month, um, and we don't know how where this uh, unlimited plan would fall. I'm guessing it would probably be the most expensive one, but if they want to, you know, keep their customers or uh, draw new customers in, it would probably be along the lines of the middle somewhere.
1: See, this is tough because I love AMC A list But like especially during this time of year where I'm trying to catch up on all that, you know, the smaller award films, it's hard to see them at AMC because AMC does, you know, shows the biggest and best and newest. They don't really show all those films. And, you know, I can't go to the Arclight with my AMC A-list, but, you know, I, I could with. Well, actually, I couldn't go with MoviePass because for some reason MoviePass doesn't support that theater, but uh, I, I could go to almost any other theater with MoviePass. Uh, so, but I, I feel like I'm just so over it, HD. I'm so over it. Like, I, I, I hate to be drilling down on this, this re- relationship analogy, but I feel <laughs> like it's th- that point in th- the post relationship where you're like, I'm over it and I'm done. And like, I don't care what kind of things this person tries to tempt me with i'm, I'm just i'm just ignoring that I'm, I'm ignoring them right now because even though it sounds like they're offering a good deal like i just don't think i want to deal with it like
3: yeah we already went through all that heartbreak <laughs> yeah
1: totally is this enough to get you to come back to MoviePass yeah.
3: i already canceled too and i i wonder i think movie pass still has that weird policy where they don't let you sign back up for a year yeah. with the same email address
1: Yeah, it's kind of like that boyfriend's like, if you break up with me, it's over. We're not going to get back together. You know, that's what MoviePass is doing, right?
3: Exactly. So it feels like even if you do want to go back for the limited plan, you can't if you already canceled. Yeah. So Um,
1: Mm. They need to get rid of that policy. That's just ridiculous. And it looks like Chris is ride to the airport is here. He has to leave us. Chris, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Um yes, I will I'm off to Sundance. Okay. We'll we'll hear from Hi. you there. Uh hope you see some great films and hope uh, the air the airplane experience is not too painful for you. All right. Thank you. Okay. Now onto the spoiler room. Uh we usually don't do this until after a movie has been out for a weekend. I really feel like this is a movie that no one is going to see. <laughs> uh, like I, I had no plans on seeing this until you started telling me the spoilers. So yeah. um, first of all, HT, tell me wh- what is this movie, you know, without telling me any spoilers uh, mm-hmm. before uh, we're not getting into spoilers just yet. Uh, so if, if you don't have to tune out just yet, uh, tell me what uh, what is this movie and what did you think about it without getting into spoilers?
3: All right, so this movie is called *Serenity*. It's a neo-noir thriller starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. And uh, Matthew McConaughey stars as a uh, fishing boat captain on um, this fictional fishing island called Baker Dill. And uh, he's a uh, he has a chip on his shoulder and a traumatic past that gets uh, resurfaced when his ex-wife, played by Anne Hathaway, comes to him, and. Um, asks him to kill her husband, who has been abusing him, ab- abusing her, as well as uh, her and Baker Dill's young son. And so uh, Matthew McConaughey is torn about this, and uh, he, the premise of this film, essentially, is uh, will, will he kill this abusive, alcoholic uh, husband played by Jason Clark. And that's what you think that this movie will be, a sordid, seedy, uh Neo noir with Anne Hathaway as the femme fatale, and um, some uh, vast conspiracy coming in. But there are there's something a little off about this movie. Not only is it strangely heightened and very arch, uh, there are supernatural elements that start trickling in that make you that seem to plant the seeds for it harboring some sort of greater twist uh which we'll get to later um and, it, uh, and, and
1: everything you said has been kind of hinted at in the trailers and stuff so it's not like you're spoiling anything other than the fact that there is a twist i guess yes um,
3: and this is a crazy twist <laughs> so uh, you, you know at first you you think that this is a, a trashy sort of high budget lifetime movie about assorted romance and a, a murder plot. But it turns out that it is something what? much more
1: Okay. I, I feel like I feel like there's no way for you to give your opinion on this movie without discussing the spoilers. Is that correct? There
3: really there really is not. I was really I was struggling over writing this review because of my enjoyment of this film hinged on the twist that happens two-thirds of the way through the movie and basically just had me whispering, what the fuck, the entire time.
1: (laughs) Yeah, your review uh, says that the the thriller doesn't just jump the shark. It vaults and somersaults over it. Um, it's pretty insane. And this is like a film that I had no interest in seeing. It's not even a film that I had an interest in seeing when it, you know, hits Netflix later on. Until I read in our Slack channel you talking about the spoilers from this film. So, that said, um, we're gonna gonna begin to talk spoilers for Serenity. Uh, if you don't want to know them and you just want to go in blind. Like, do we actually recommend people go see this, actually?
3: You know... I do just for the sheer (laughs) audacity of this harebrained bonkers twist that flips this movie on its head and turns it into something that is just like a juggernaut of a (laughs) baffling film. (laughs) I can't express how much this twist just like made me sit back in my seat. And uh, I don't, I can't in good faith say that it's a good movie. The it's, you know, it can be divided into like two very disparate films that uh, take place on both sides of the twist, and neither of those films are very good. But just the sheer ambition, it's so brazen. I can't help but admire it.
1: Okay, so there you go. You have had proper warning. We're now going to spoil Serenity. So, HT, walk us through it. Uh, what happens in in this twist?
3: All right. So, uh, about two-thirds of the way through the film, uh, Baker Dill is uh, encounters a businessman played by Jeremy Strong who has been trying to reach him the entire film. And the businessman essentially reveals that Baker Dill is a character in a video game that is being played by his son. And his son is tampering with and rewriting the code to this video game to... Play out his fantasies of killing a digital version of his abusive stepfather
1: (laughs) You wrote this in our slack channel and we were all like You're 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 fucking with us, right? Like we didn't even believe that this could be real
3: Yeah, nope. This is real. This is a real movie that you know went through studio and stars two oscar winners
1: (laughs) (laughs) so um I don't even know where to begin here. Like, I, I, what were you – like, how does it deal this out? Like, is this in one big wallop or is it, like, stretched out? Like, you're, like, kind of wondering who is this person? How is it – like – I don't it's even
3: essentially in one big wallop like they do plant some some seeds and some foreshadowing throughout the film. But it really does not prepare you for the reveal. Um, basically, what happens is that uh, Jeremy Strong's businessman, whose name Reed Miller, tries to approach Baker um, Dill and tell him, don't kill um, the, the abusive husband. And he's like, how do you know I'm going to kill him? And he says essentially something along the lines of I am the rules. <laughs> and it turns out that Reed Miller is, I, you know, he the says, manifestation. says, I am the rules. I am the rules. That's the line of dialogue from this movie. And he's oh. like, what do you mean you are the rules? And, he, and it turns out oh. Reed Miller is, you know, the manifestation of the game fighting back against the code that the kid is inputting in to, like, turn this um, very mundane fishing game into a murder game.
1: So, <laughs> and... so, so are we supposed to care about programmed characters that don't exist in reality?
3: I mean you don't care for them even when you think they're real characters. <laughs> um but it's just it's just so wacky because you know Baker Dill then has a whole existential crisis about free will. He launches a little bit into his true detective persona where he's like, do we really, you know, decide anything? And the other characters, all NPCs are like, what are you talking about? And they're like very cheery. And it suddenly becomes kind of Truman show esque. And, uh, and, and honestly, kind of like a black an episode of black mirror, but somehow way more insane. And, um, Yeah, there's just that he tries to end up going through with the plot to kill the stepfather, and the NPCs try to get in his way. At one point, uh, the NPC played by Jimon Hanso hires a group of gangsters to break the hands. Of the husband so that he can't go on the fishing trip. And I'm like, what is this movie? What is
1: going on here? (laughs) Wait, you mentioned Black Mirror. And this does remind me of Black Mirror because, as I said on this podcast, I feel like much of the appeal of Black Mirror to me is discovering what the, the episode is about like you start watching and and it starts off normally and then like once it clicks in of like oh this is what it is that's what is kind of fascinating about black mirror to me like like once you yeah. get the the concept like if this was an episode of black mirror would it be one one of the bad episodes or would it be an enjoyable mess of a good episode like what what would it be
3: probably the latter it's yeah. definitely more enjoyably messy than it is well done um but I for I don't know I feel like if it was a black mirror episode um the film's grasp of technology would be would be better because I'm not sure that Stephen Knight has ever played a video game <laughs> based on like the way that he builds this movie and um the sort of antics that uh, Baker Dill gets into like it does feel like a fictional alternate reality but not a video game reality like i'm i wonder how this character is having like so much sex with like diane lane's uh, kimono wearing mistress w- uh, in a game that's that looks more like a retro sort of like 80s fishing game than anything so i'm just like i don't know what game he's been playing Steve- the director stephen knight
1: yeah like the only time I've ever seen a fish gaming is in like like one of those like southern bars kind of things, like yeah, I don't know. uh, this kind of reminds me of, did you ever see the John August film the Nines? No, I haven't. No. uh, John August, uh, for those who don't know, is screenwriter of uh, Go! Charlie's Angels, uh, Big Fish, uh, Frank and Weenie. Uh, He's a big screenwriter in Hollywood, uh, and he actually has a podcast that I listen to and love. He, in 2007 made a film called The Nines, which premiered at Sundance. And actually, it was way ahead of its time because it starred Ryan Reynolds, Hope Davis, Melissa McCarthy, and Elle Fanning. So I had, like, a great cast of people that were – are now very popular. Like, you know, Elle, Elle Fanning was unknown. Melissa McCarthy, this is, you know, before she hit it big. And Ryan Reynolds was not Deadpool at the time. So, like, you know, these were all uh, before they were big people. And uh, the the film – uh centers around uh three men all played by Ryan Reynolds who are trying to c- uncover a secret about the strange happenings in their in in their in his li- in their their lives and uh you know I'm not going to spoil that movie here because I actually very much enjoyed it um but uh it's uh, and it isn't a video game so it it isn't like you know you can connect the dots uh mm-hmm. but I think it's inspired par partially by video games and John August's uh his uh experiences in like MMOs and stuff like that. So um I would uh I would recommend if this sounds appealing to you, maybe check out the Nines H T. Uh because hey. I uh I really like that film. I wonder how it holds up, because I haven't seen it in, you know, a decade. But uh this this sounds this sounds truly insane. Like I don't <laughs> even should I waste my AMC A-list to go go see this, or should I just wait until it's on my TV?
3: I would – I mean, you're not wasting your AMC A-list. You do get three movies a week. Yeah,
1: um, I and think I this don't is use an those three A-list. movies either, so it's uh, Yeah,
3: like, I think this is an AMC A-list movie.
1: So it's just about, like, is it worth my time going to the theater and – I think so. You think
3: so? It was definitely a surprise to me. I mean, I'm not sure how it'll play for you now that you do know the twist. And I feel like – because I did say that I feel like the majority of my experience of it was just from being blown away by this twist. But it does have like this campy, (laughs) um, heightened – uh, experience to it um, and very stylish directorial flair by Stephen Knight that is a little bit much sometimes it's very over the top that it it is enjoyable in that sense um, I saw someone on on Twitter Matt Donata who freelances for Slash from on Twitter ask is this a wacky um, bring a flask to the movies al- uh, movie or is it you don't need alcohol to enjoy this movie and honestly <laughs> both
1: both both at the same time, that's, uh, wow. Okay, um, you know, let's wrap it up. I, I want to plug some things on the site. Uh, Jack Drew, who does interviews for us, has an interview with the director of this movie, uh, Stephen Knight, uh, talking about how he doesn't want to put his movies in a genre box. So uh, you could read that on the site. Uh, HG, you have a piece on the site today, right?
3: Yes. So I have a bi-weekly column called Pop Culture Imports in which I compile the best foreign movies and TV shows that are currently streaming. Um, Some that I want to recommend are uh, an Argentine. Argentinian film called The German Doctor, which is on Hulu, which uh, gives a different twist on the sort of Nazi war crime historical drama. It unfolds as more of a, a family drama that eventually becomes a little bit more horrifying as it goes along um, and kind of follows this uh, family who become friends with a mysterious German doctor who turns out to be a real-life uh, Nazi war criminal. And then another one I want to recommend is a Sony, Sony, just S-O-N-I, um, from Netflix, which is a Hindi-language crime drama that uh, takes uh, the gender politics of India um, to task and stars to women uh, who are female police officers and vastly different, but um, have a very complex dynamic and relationship that is really fascinating to watch.
1: Yeah. And you talk about a bunch more things, including the Godzilla anime. So check that out on the site. That's pop culture imports. I'll link it in the show notes. And the last thing I want to plug is our writer, Mar- Marshall Schaefer. Uh, he put together a streamer's guide to Sundance 2019, what non festival goers can go watch at home. So if you, uh, are, you know, feeling some FOMO of not being in Park City, um, you know, me and HT can open this guide and uh, ch- check out some films uh, from some of these filmmakers and Sundance history. Uh, it's worth checking out. Uh, HT, where can people find more of your work online?
3: You can find me writing every day at slashfilm.com and I'm on Twitter at htranbui.
1: And you can find me at Home on all social media. You can find this podcast and all the stories we mention in the podcast on Uh This podcast, Slash Home Daily, is published on iTunes, Google Play, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to us at peter at com, And go rate and re- review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.